Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Half Squads. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dave. And I say welcome back because I'm hoping you've been here before. Yep, and today is June 15th, Saturday, 2008. Uh, 14th. 14th. Thank you, Jeff. Don't get ahead of us. (laughs) I can't believe the year is half over. Wow. And we had a little, uh, we had some trouble getting together. We're we're two busy guys, aren't we? Very busy. (laughs) Busy, busy. I'd like to have, uh, I'd like to, well, I won't tell you what I'd like to do. <laughs> Keep those dark secrets to yeah, yourself. Yeah, to myself. To myself. But no, in any I, case, I, it's I know good to be one there. podcast I listen to the um, the um, the Dragons Landing guys. They just up and said, "Look, we're done for a couple more months because we can't get together." And so it does happen. Yeah. We'll try and keep them coming to you every two weeks. We're going to try. Is that we right? got, yeah, about every two weeks. We've right. got enough material. So, uh, what are we going to do in this show? Today we're going to look at a little bit of viewer mail and then look at how to get started in advanced squad leader. For so, yeah. a lot of new guys been asking a lot of questions. So. Yeah, and if you so if you know anybody, uh, if you're a very experienced uh, squad leader player, I think you should listen to this show anyway because it's so darn entertaining. But if you um, <laughs> just but ask you also us. yeah, just ask us. <laughs> but it, but you could also uh, you know not listen because this is going to be geared a lot toward the newer player. And so if you know anybody that would like to play or is thinking about playing, uh, maybe there are other they play other war games. This might be a good episode to pass along to them. That could be. So first, let's look at uh, viewer comments. Do you have any viewer comments? We yes, got a lot of I, good comments. Well, I pulled up episode five. Was it comments from yeah. Bob Holmstrom? Oh yeah, the Bob um, Holstrom. That was a great show. Had it, fun with that. He's a good, he's an intelligent. When you get someone that smart on the show, it yeah. really shows how little you and I know. Yes, <laughs> I felt bad about myself for uh, several days. Yeah, we want to remind our <laughs> listeners we may make mistakes in quoting rules or giving advice yes, or we something. May. There's sometimes things you just play wrong because your circle of friends haven't quite figured that out yet. Yeah, that's and right. No one, it didn't come up at a tournament. So, yeah, um, we have a note from Cam. I, too, am an ASL newbie, having had version one of the rulebook, Beyond Valor, Paratrooper Yanks, and all three starter kits on the shelf for some time now. Your podcast has renewed my interest in trying to learn the game. Yay. Yeah, thanks, and keep them coming. Yeah, dust those off, and we'll try and uh, next episode give some more advanced tactics for you to use with Advanced Squad Leader. Yep. That's great. We always uh, want to see more players. We'd like to see. I, I personally, even though we have a very good uh, cadre of players, do you like that word, cadre? Isn't it cadre? Okay, I'm feeling bad about myself again already. That didn't take long. But usually I'm wrong. Cadre. Oh, yes, cadre. Chasm or chasm. You say grand piano, too, Dave? (laughs) Grand piano. Well, uh, I would love to see some more uh, new players in our area. So, hey, Chicago listeners. Here's here's a note from um, Cheesy Nacho, whoever you are. Think that's his real name? (laughs) No. He said, I remember last time we talked about those fountains that I was so excited about? Oh, the yeah, fountains yeah, and yeah. He says he thinks the um, Valor of the Guards fountain that I was talking about, that sculptural fountain on that page in the rulebook, yeah. is also featured in Enemy at the Gates, a good film about snipers in Stalingrad. Enemy at the Gates, listeners. And I'll go back, and I have it at home. I haven't checked to see if that fountain's in there, but I'll bet he's right. He says, great stuff, guys. Keep it up. Thank you, Cheesy Nacho. Very cool. Thanks, Cheesy. And then, um, uh, Dave, you're, we got an email from Candace, and uh, we're not sure if Candace is a uh, male or female. So, and we apologize no. for that. It, 
it typically in the U.S. Candace is a woman's name, but as far as I know, but it may very well. It's one of those names that could go either way. Sure, it's a like, cool. It's a cool name. I may take that on as my yeah, as my yeah. nom de plume. Sure, did I say that correctly? Yes, nom I think you de did. plume. Yeah, very French sounding. Uh, um, and he wanted to uh, let's see. He says, "I want to congratulate you two for putting on an excellent series of podcasts. The material is good, and since I'm an ASL newbie." seems just right for me. The interviews seem to fill the void of experienced ASLers quite nicely. My favorite segment was the counter quiz. I can't remember half of them with all those numbers and letters. Uh, when I can read them, that's when I'll think I'm really smart. I think that's basically what he said. I'm having a hard time seeing that far, Dave. Oh, okay, there we go. And uh, he thinks we should figure out how to integrate some phone calls, which we are working, working on that. On, yep. Not very fast, but we are working <laughs> on that. Only when, as time permits, I've got this job thing that gets in my way every day. Uh, and he says, I have a topic to suggest. The ways different groups of players see one another and interact. Are newbies always welcome? Do the old-timers who played squad leaders since ye olden times act a bit snobbish? What's a good way for a new player to actually find resources like play aids or new friends to play ASL with? Maybe mention a few good websites or some such. Right. Let's address those questions one at a time. I think I'd like to start with uh, our newbies welcome. What do you think, Jeff? Well, I, I felt very welcome when I when I was a newbie. That's because you came to me to I learn to play to the game, and I'm a very welcoming host. You, you are like man, a, like Santa. Correct. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I'm. It, I'd say it depends. I do recall, and the letters may have appeared in the general magazine. I would bet they were way back in the general. I didn't research to find out which issue these were in. Um, I'm gonna bet it was the general, not the. It might have been an early, um, not the journal. What was before that? Annual. Yeah. Published by MMP. Um, where a kid wrote in and said he was like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid, and he talked about how people would just laugh at him when he would try and play squad leader with him and stuff. And after hearing that, you know, Bob started so young and these other people are all starting young, like at the age of 12 and stuff, yeah. uh, maybe we should be more welcoming to the younger players, certainly. The age gap, I know it can cause problems. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I also think some players, even without an age gap, don't want to stop and teach somebody. Yeah. And I, I think um, you kind of need to be a little, if you're going to get into a group, uh, you have to exert yourself a little bit. Sometimes people get very set in their ways and concentrated, and when somebody new enters the group, they don't even notice. I mean, I've been to gaming groups where I've walked into the room and I'll say, Hi, everybody, and nobody says anything. Because they're already playing? They're already, they're, just... they're already playing, they're all absorbed, yeah. and some of them just don't have the best, some don't have the greatest social graces. But Yeah, you uh, should stop and say hello. Yeah. Um, but I would say this, I would say if somebody says newbies are welcome, then make the assumption that newbies are indeed welcome and go. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And make them prove it. And if you're a more experienced player, because I know some people have, uh, have contacted about joining my gaming group, I remember one, I would email, I don't know where I met this person, but uh, said, hey, do you want to come join? You know, we got some new guys, and I could use some help teaching them because I couldn't play three guys in one night. It's kind of, And he basically said, um, no, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I really want to play 
intricate, complicated games that yeah. challenge me intellectually, and and I can respect that. Yeah. But on the other hand, I would urge you listeners out there to take some time to train up a young guy. Plus, you usually get to beat them. Oh, there's uh, there's a lot to be said for that. <laughs> Beating somebody brand spanking new. I do, you know, we do, uh, I see a lot of posts uh, from people that just they say there's nobody in their area to play, which is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of hard to believe, actually, that you couldn't find somebody that you could entice to play a combat simulation game if you present it to them correctly and get them... Yeah, maybe so. I've, I've had great luck introducing wargaming of all kind to all groups. I'm talking about a group of me- people, Methodists at the church, in the Methodist church over here, um, school teacher oh. friends. What is that? That's our dog. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were being attacked. Okay. No, he's all right. The full moon is out tonight. Um, I've had te- school teacher friends come over and play a chariot race game or a war game, and, and, and most people actually tend to kind of like it. And so you look at the the group I have now, again, you've got people from various places in my life. Um, so I've found it easy to get a lot of people into it. Of course, I've had equal numbers that have stayed. I've had equal numbers never never come back again. Yeah. Say, oh, that was interesting, or I just don't get that. That's way too complicated for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if I can throw in my own uh, anecdotes here, I, I've been to some groups where I have been totally shunned. Really? Yes. It's probably I'm still in therapy about all that. Too. <laughs> um, so I went to a there. There was a Magic the Gathering group, and I had never played Magic the Gathering. And they always they have on their website, uh, you know, come join us, come join us. And so I wrote and I said, you know, I'm new. Would there be somebody there I, I could play? Oh yeah, come. It's a great group. It's a great group. So I went, and there were four people there. And after they said hello. Like, they just kept playing. They never said, come on, oh, come on over, we'll show you how to play, what are you doing, da, da, da. Yeah, that... Nothing, I mean, and... That would be an important part missing. Have you considered the plastic surgery, Jeff? (laughs) Might help. You think I should have my third eye removed? (laughs) That's what I was actually thinking. (laughs) I was thinking two noses, I didn't want to go there. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll think about it. I am not an animal... I am a human being. <laughs> All right. Well, um, anyway, uh, you guys, keep out there. You'll f- you'll find somebody. Post. Um, well, Can- Candace also asked. Yeah. You're still kind oh, of yeah. okay. his his or his or her. Thank you. Um, well, I'd like to know how many female squad leader players are there. As a matter of fact, oh, I would love. Question. I would love to know that because um, we don't know any. No, we've, we've we never know. seen one. Correct. Oh, she asked. He, he asked, where are the resources to get involved? We're going to cover some of that today. Yeah. Um. And how do you find other players? We're going to cover some we'll cover of that, that. today. Yep. So um, hopefully that will help answer some of your questions. But. Yeah. Do we have any other uh, uh, any maybe mail? We had, a lot, we had a lot of good mail. Short. We can't obviously go through all of it. And we also had a couple contributions. We want to. I thanked those people uh, individually. Oh, oh but, yes. Uh, I would also like to thank them publicly, but not by name. You know who you are, and thanks for contributing. We appreciate that. Yeah, uh, here from Bruce H., um, another excellent show, chock full of really good stuff. I liked every single segment except the very end where you say that uh, he can't use our show's material unless he credits us. <laughs> Sorry, Bruce. Um, he, I know, he says, I now have no material for my own show, the 6 plus 1 armor leader. Yeah, I forgot this one. I noticed that you didn't go over the user feedback very much, and I made a comment about being getting over it 
oh, if his comment had anything to do with us not reading our letters on the air. Uh, and yes, somewhat, yeah. but I think our policy will be do it every three shows, two or three shows. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and I and especially we'll cover it if people have specific questions. If they're just making yeah. a comment, uh, you know, unless it's particularly flattering toward me, I, I would probably want to read that. But um, <laughs> if people have specific questions, and we'd love to answer more questions, if people have something in particular they want to hear about, you know, we could do that. Yeah, did so. we share the one where the guy said he hated us? He really hated us. No, I don't think so. That was well, a good one because we yeah, had to. Sorry, one. I don't have it up on the screen here, but um, because you guys have got me back into this game that I just spent, I just had sold all my stuff, and yeah. now I have to go spend all the money to buy it again. Yeah. Well, welcome back to the fold. Yes, so. welcome back. We're, um, we're sorry to be the the source of your pain. So that's okay. it for uh, email this time. Thanks everybody, and we'd like to. We always like to hear more. All right, um, Dave. How do we get started? <laughs> I knew you were going to phrase that just that way. Well, the first question, right, is where to buy this product. I yeah. We covered this in episode one. We did cover how to buy this product, so, yeah. Is there anything you want to add? To well, my question said? is who who would want to play squad leader? Yeah. If, if somebody is thinking about playing, how do you convince them to play? Um, you pay the money? Yeah. <laughs> Well, don't you suppose there are people, look, I mean, I, I know there are people that are thinking about getting into war games. I see this kind of stuff all the time on Board Game Geek. People will post a question, I'm thinking about getting into war yeah. games, which war game should I pick? And I think there's a lot of good reason for picking Squad Leader as a war game. Yeah, and how you find other players, too, also, Candace had just mentioned in that last yeah. letter. So um, I had made some notes previously, uh, um, do a, ma- a map quest. Yeah. And see if they come up with directions to a, a random gamer's house. You you actually could. <laughs> For those Don't of you, you have that, to know their name first on MapQuest? Um and their address? Oh. I was making a joke. Details, details. <laughs> well, actually there is a MapQuest thing through groups. If you go to oh. like if you go to boardgamegeek.com okay. and uh, by the way, from now on I'm going to be including show notes with the oh. show that's going to have links to some of the things sure, that we're talking about. Sure, like any more work so, to do. Make yeah, them Google themselves. Well, just the links, no commentary. Okay. But BoardGameGeek.com is a great resource uh, for all kinds of games. They must have 20,000 games in their database with all sorts of comments and reviews and uh, tips and tricks and how to find players. So you can look on BoardGameGeek in your area, and okay. you can, it'll actually show you a map as okay. to where those people are located for that game. So if you're looking for somebody that is that plays Squad Leader already, you can look them up for that. You can also just look, maybe they play another game similar to Squad Leader, or at least a war game, and you can get involved with them and get them into talk Squad Leader. Talk, talk them into, into Squad Leader. Pay the money to play. Pay the money, yes. Um, no, that's very helpful. I remember the old general magazines had an opponents wanted section. Wow. I, I suppose you could go back and find some of these old general magazines, and they would list, you know, looking for squad leader opponents in yeah. the Chicago area. If those guys are still alive, then. yeah, that's the yeah. trick. Um, how old they would be now? Pro- you know, like my age. <laughs> Ooh. Um, you could find opponents at a tournament. Ah, very good idea. Never thought of that. Because people will travel around the country to get to a tournament. That's one thought. So always good, a, good always a good idea to go to Google and uh, type in ASL tournament. Now you, you've got to remember that ASL also stands for American Sign, Sign Language. Language. Yeah. So you don't want to go to that tournament. 
No. <clears throat> Probably. I didn't understand what they were saying when yeah, I went the first time. <laughs> um, I noticed the third way to you can just make your friends play, and that's what I do a lot. You know, hey, come you, to my game group. You come, come to my. It's hard for people to say no without seeming rude, but yeah. you know, um, and you could place an ad at a local game store. Yes, we have Games Plus, a lot of game stores. Yep. So you, I've seen notes on boards, you know, looking for opponent. Uh, you can check at your local library and see if the library has something like a uh, book group or, or a history group and at least go to the group and talk with some people that are interested in history because I think a lot of times it's usually men who are interested in historical periods might be interested in getting involved in, in games if they, hadn't, if they haven't already. Libraries are a good spot for that. Yep, hadn't thought of that one. That's true. Uh, you may want to think outside of the gaming group to find people who could be interested in it due to its historical nature. Right. Right. Uh, you could check as insane asylums. <laughs> That's where you'll find someone to play a campaign game with you. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. I know yeah. he's going to get mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> Stop slamming campaign yeah. Yeah. Um Retirement oh, homes. Speaking of, have, oh. has Tarawa been coming along? Uh, actually, we, we haven't played uh, lately. It's okay. been... We've, had some scheduling conflicts and yeah. things like that. Okay, so. well, we're anxious to hear how that goes. Um, so, anything else, Jeff, about finding opponents? Um, You've been more creative in your answers than I've been. No, no yours have been useful. That's why. <laughs> That's right. You're not going to find no. anybody at the library. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> what are you talking about? They have groups at, at, that, at our <laughs> no, library. No, no, no. I was just I, making I, a joke. I, was, oh. <laughs> I think I'm too oh. sensitive for this kind of thing. <laughs> Okay, um, so, so where to buy, first episode, finding opponents. Now, you can also find opponents on... Um, online. Online, Gotta of course. Be. Vassal, though. If you're looking to oh, play, correct. if you want to get involved in, through the computer interface, you can go to Vassal. And if you go to, I think it's vassal.org, I'm not sure about that, I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it in the show notes, though, the exact link. But that's, that is a Java-based um, interface, so it'll work on any computer, and you can find people to play squad leader with. Now, Java, the whole thing... Java-based coffee? It's ja No, Java computer. It's the Java computer language-based okay. game interface, and it's free. You can download it on your Mac, your Linux, or your Windows computer, and it gives you game boards. It gives you all the pieces. It even gives you the fire tables. And you did say we were going to try that someday. We are going to try that someday when, when we have a lot of spare time. Yeah, and I said, what, are you kidding me? <laughs> what when it does am I going to do what, that? <laughs> and, and it's easy, then you can post on those on the Vassal site as that you're looking for opponent, and people will be willing to teach you. Yeah. The thing that's not that you don't get on Vassal is the rules. Yeah, right. So you said to trust people that... Well, it'd be a good idea to buy the rules. And speaking of... Hoping we haven't... Not rushing you forward to the next... No, I don't. Whether you buy the starter kit or the full-blown ASL, um, which you just said about you don't get the rules, so you have to trust people. Is I always find when I'm teaching people the game, um, they get to know me later on. They make jokes about how you know Dave always invents rules when you know it <laughs> benefits him and stuff. <laughs> um, and you, you know you have to. I guess my response to that's always well. Hey, it's a very complicated game, and if you want to go home and read the rule book, 
right? Yeah. But often you, your brain doesn't think of that thing sometimes until you really need it, is what I, I kind of find too. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, um, so sometimes you're doing something, you're moving a certain way, I or roll a dice, and I forget a, a modifier or something because I'm busy looking at maybe to my next move. I'm trying to think ahead. Right. And then when it gets to my turn and the same situation develops, and I go, oh, well, because of this rule, PAATC, you know, you got to take a pin check to go into the combat of vehicle. And, like, well, you know, you didn't um, think of that earlier. Well, sorry, you know. Yeah. It's very complicated. So when you do play squad leader, if you're teaching anyone or learning the newer game or the more advanced game yourself, help each other. I really give this advice. Help each other. If the guy forgets his sniper, tell him, you know. Yes. Because it's so hard to remember all those little things. Yeah. And then when you're deliberately letting your opponents miss things because they're not thinking of them on their own, um, yeah. In a tournament, yes. Yeah. But with your friends, I think you're better off telling them, oh, hey, there's this rule, or don't forget that. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, look, that's a sniper, or that's a rate of fire, because there's someone to look for. Um that typically my friends and I all play in a, in a friendly manner like that, or we're really helping each other out. So yeah. So then, do you buy the starter kit or the full blown advanced squad leader? Well, I think um, I would say this: if you are going, it is possible to play squad leader. It is possible to learn squad leader uh, on your own starter if you kit. play the starter kits. I think it would be extremely hard to learn to play squad leader on your own or with somebody who is also a total neophyte if you're starting right from the full-blown rule book. So if you're getting involved with somebody, uh, if you're getting involved yourself and with somebody who is also just getting involved in it, definitely get the starter kits. Yeah, I agree. And there are three starter kits to choose from. Um, And you should choose number one. Yeah, they're cleverly cleverly called one, two, and three. <laughs> I like that. Why not A, B, and C? Which one came out first? I think it was number one. Yeah. Okay. And number, number one, one, though, uh, currently number one is out of print. So, um, yeah, so I, I might s- put my spare copy on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For five hundred dollars, or sell it to Dan, who's our new friend coming into the game through the club. Yeah, you so, could do that. Um, for a normal price. But yeah, I mean, uh, any one of the starter kits would be fine. Um, the starter kit one is infantry only. Starter kit two adds artillery. And starter kit three adds uh, armored fighting vehicles. Yeah, so if I have someone who will read the rules with me, be willing to work at learning the game, Yes. maybe we could start with advanced. Yes. Better than being on your own. Right. Um, if you're if you're the guy who's the only one that's going to read the rules and your friend says, I'll play with you, but I don't have time to read it and I'm not going to buy it, then start a kit because you're the one that's going to have to do all the reading. Yeah, right. And I think, um, I also think that you should not, well, you should consider um, graduating from the starter kit at some point. Yes. To the full edition rules. Yes. I think there are a lot of people that are think they'll they'll never go beyond the starter kit, but there's there's so much more. Yes. When you make that transition, you never want to go back. Okay. Now, in our group, Jeff had missed our meeting last week because somehow his name got deleted from the group email list. Sorry, Jeff, I just put him back on. More reasons for me to feel bad about myself. What was my excuse the previous time I didn't get you the email? Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> um, I got on your list. We found that our experienced advanced squad leader players, you know, some of them are saying, I don't want to go back and teach guys starter kit stuff. Yeah. So we have three guys who are starter kit players right now. So in my last newsletter, um, I had said, let me know if you're willing to play starter kits. Because at this point, I want the experienced opponents to come find that person to play it in, 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 with complicated rules and not take time to teach. And then those that are willing to will play, you know, in a, in a group over, you know, pairing up each other with other starter kit players or people like me who are, and Joe said he'd be willing to, to teach. I'm yeah. assuming you will be. Yes. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, absolutely. So, but by there you got three very experienced players willing to play starter kit. And then it's up to the guy doing starter kit to say sometimes, hey, why did you, how did you run around that building and only pay one point? You're supposed to go through the building and pay two. That's called bypass because there is no bypass in a starter kit. Right. Yeah, and there are, um, I mean, there are some, there's a list on the Multiman Publishing website of some of the differences between starter kits and the full ASL. So, and you can go to the Multiman Publishing website and see that. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Yeah, um, what are some of those offhand? Um, well, you've got things like... I know um, the... Oh, I'm sorry. The terrain is simplified. Yes. You're not dealing with upper-level buildings. That's right. So the line of sights are um, not as complicated. You have hills. I've only seen a one-level hill. Have you seen a two in a starter mm, kit? No, but I haven't seen Four. starter kit three. I just yeah. bought that from you ten minutes ago. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's right. So I, but I haven't opened it up yet. So I don't know. We're going to do that in what's in the box. Yes, that's right. Um, but as far as I remember, um, and then the terrain is just basic open ground, woods, buildings, orchards, grain, you know, none of the other stuff. So right. that'll save you some time. That's right. There's no rubble, there's no fortifications, uh, there's no flames, no wind, no weather. Though I've, in all the times I've played, I've never had weather <laughs> come into play as, as having any impact. I've played 998, I think, or is it 999 now? Wow. Games. That thousandth game is coming up wow. soon. Very soon, listeners. I'm going to get you a cake. Thank you. Um, I've given up the idea of trying to get everyone to show up at a club night, you know, just for that, because it's going to happen with me and Tim and I on a Friday playtesting Hakapale. Um, Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, where was I going with this? 990. Oh, weather. 999 weather. games. Out of those 998 or 9 games, um, I think we've had gusts hit and actually affect something, you know, maybe 10. Uh, could be, let's be generous, maybe 50 games. Uh, then the other wow. one is that wind change die roll where it goes to direction change. Yeah. And then you have to roll again, and if the force doesn't increase or decrease, there because there's no wind at start, then there's no change anyway. But, anyway, an interesting thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, we played for a while, never even making that roll. That. Yeah, skip that. I always make the roll, but I never look at the results. <laughs> don't even look at the cup, <laughs> and I don't even want to know. Because oh. then I'll have to look up something. Oh, you know, and I just want to get a, on with my rally change. phase. Yeah, roll again. Only two out of six <laughs> chance of actually changing the direct or increasing the force. Yeah. All right. So as you go from the uh, starter kits into the full rules, you you add things like um, well, uh, um, snipers. Are yeah. We the, Snipers, sniper, mm -hmm. which is which plays a very important and a very fun role in full rules. Yes, and it's not that hard. It's not it's really a, that hard. And nice the little addition. sniper chart, 
summarizes it very nicely. Yeah. You know what happens that you rarely refer back to the main rule. So reading the whole rule once or twice should cover it. Yeah. Um, you'll be adding opportunity fire where they don't prep fire and they hold the fire till advancing fire can fire at full. Right. Um, triple point blank. Um, fire lanes where machine guns can lay down a fire lane. Anyone moving through that hex row, simply put, hex row, it's a little more complicated than that, um, all take the shot right. from the fire oh, lane. We should cover right. fire lanes in detail in a future show. Yeah, we should. One of our listeners asked about that. Bypass, which is such a basic Go part on. of the full yeah. rule set, is not in the starter kits, and but very easy to learn. Yeah, you'll be able to... <laughs> Outside of that building, instead of having to go through the door, <laughs> through room to room, right, and out the back door, right, paying uh, two points. There's a lot of nuances to it as you get into some of the more um, interesting terrain and the way vehicles bypass and can get shot at. But but basically, the bypass is a pretty simple thing. Yeah, easy, easy to make that transition. <clears throat> and the advanced game also adds in that withdrawal or infiltration on a close combat roll. That's fun. Right. Where if you roll snakes. You know, or your opponent rolls boxcars. I have to reread the rule to be sure. Um, you get to ambush, but you could also then withdraw, withdraw. from the melee um, or move a hex behind the opponent, infiltrating me, and got right through the hex without having to combat him. Uh, concealment's a big one, Jeff. It, concealment's a very big one, and it plays it plays a very big role. Again, I, I think it's sort of easy. Well, to, our listeners don't, grasp some that. of our starter kit guys don't know what that is. They what wouldn't is, know what concealment what is. What is concealment? That's when you hide. <laughs> no, that's hidden initial place. Oh, okay. Oh, that's when you cover your eyes. <laughs> no. If, if I can't see them, they can't see me. Uh, concealment is a, it, there's actually a concealment counter that looks like a question mark. And um, there can be some, some modifications to it depending on the special scenario rules, but... If you're not in line of sight of an enemy unit, you can put a concealment counter on you, which adds a little bit of the fog of war a little bit. Yeah, I like that. A in little fact, bit. I think they should use it more often. I There's a topic should. for a future show with the guests, right? Con- concealment, concealment. You want more or less of it? Yeah. A lot of people don't use. Uh, you know, it's it's even optional because um, you can elect not to use concealment. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but I know some people don't use it because they're just Lazy, you know, know. To be honest, I just want to keep the game moving faster, and right? Don't want to bother. To be honest, I in our early days, we just kind of look forward to getting rid of all the question marks. Yeah, uh, but it makes a big difference because um, if you're firing onto a unit that is covered with concealment, it's half firepower. Um, that makes a huge difference. Correct. And they can keep that concealment as long as they don't, as long as they only assault move. If they're going to move, you can keep the concealment. I think in right? concealment terrain. In concealment terrain. In the open, you can't move at all and keep it. Ah, uh, right. Can stay put and yes, keep it, which amazed it. me. Yeah. Um, and you can also that's because you're uh, like statues. <laughs> if you stand still, it's like the bear. If you stand still, they can't see you. I don't yeah, know, something why like that. is that? I, I guess know. you're laying down or you're hiding in the bushes or something. Maybe. Or you know. Um, Maybe. You're imitating that statue thing. And also, um, if you fi- if you if your units are covered with concealment and you fire out, you lose concealment. Right. If you fire outside yeah. of your hex, and there's a, it's a lot more complicated than that. There, there are a lot more nuances, but there is a big chart. This chart took yeah. the whole page. Yeah. Of when you lose it, when you gain it, when you 
um, into 16 hexes or less or 70 hexes or more in line of sight of enemy, out of line of sight of enemy, in concealment terrain. Um, so it's also great, though, in close combat players. Yes, comes into it, a, it, it comes into play in close combat. Yeah, yeah, advanced definitely. tactic advice real quick. I'll yeah. work it in here. Uh, I was at a tournament, and the opponent fired, like, let's say he had two squads in the hex and a leader, right? How did he do this? I think he fired one squad in the leader, or he fired both squads and kept the leader concealed. Either way, he kept one of the units concealed. And I looked at that and thought that was kind of odd. Why don't you just let loose with everything and try and break me? Because I'm going to get into sex if you don't break me, and I'm going to have a close combat. Well, right. of course, he's keeping one of them concealed, saying, no, you can advancing fire and try and get rid of my concealment counter. Because if I keep it, you know, then I've got that neg two on ambush roll. That's right. Makes and, a big difference on the ambush roll. And I get the ambush, I'm yeah. win the close combat, and you won't take this building. So that was a really good strategy. In fact, he beat me on the last turn, probably that came into play. Yeah. Um, so that's a really advanced tip. I mean, when you're a beginner, you always fire everything. You know, right. You shoot everything. And you're not thinking about the combat phase, the next phases, and what can help then. Yeah. Other differences, things you miss in the starter kit? Um, uh, the use of white phosphorus. Um, in, in addition to your smoke, you also have uh, the ability to use white phosphorus. So again, that's going to depend on the scenario, though. Yeah. Um, prisoner prisoners. Rules. Again, we used to never take prisoners either. I think it's always never, easier to shoot them. <laughs> that's another discussion, too. I, discussion I do the, about, I, like Henry V. He shot at Agincourt. He, he didn't want to be hauling around all those French prisoners, so they... Let's discuss that with Bob or somebody who's pretty yes. advanced. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I, we just, I just didn't want them because I would have to look up rules about when they can escape yeah. and when they, how many men can guard them yeah. and all that stuff. But um, Well, and again, when you're, uh, if you're playing, don't worry about every single rule if it's going to keep you from playing. Play. Yeah. And you can even decide not to let's just say, oh, that's too complicated. Let's not play that this time, or let's yeah. look that up later no, and just bring right. it. And, but, but play. Yeah. Keep playing it. Then you can go back and correct yourself. Yeah, Jeff's right. I probably never would have made it to almost 1,000 games of Advanced Squad Leader if in my first 50 games we had to stop and look up prisoners and look up everything. Yeah. Um, you'd be on game 49 right I'd, now. After, yeah, 20 years, yeah. after 20 years, you'd be on game 49. Yeah, other things in the in the advanced you got human waves, which are fun. The Russians can move across uh, one guy at a time, like an um, armored uh, armored assault, like uh, radioless vehicles. Yes, but they can move the whole wave across in a chain, and that simulates that Soviet tendency to just bonsai charge. Uh, yeah, similar to the bonsai, similar to yeah. the bonsai charge. And that's that's a definitely a fun rule. Is that bonsai or bonsai? Bonsai. I don't. Uh oh, now I can't remember. I think it's bonsai. B a n z a i. Oh no no no! It's b o n z a i. Oh bonsai? Yeah. Isn't that the plant? Nope. That's the bonsai. <laughs> b a n s a i. Listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't hear. I don't hear anything. <laughs> no one corrected me. Great. If anybody thinks Dave is wrong, hold up your hand. Of course, if we weren't so lazy, we could just break out a rule book and we turn could, to the Japanese section. We could look it up, but we elect not to. We're That's just right. going to press on. Nope, just go on. <laughs> and I think where we were there gets us neatly into the next kind of thing we thought we'd talk about. 
which was still with how to get started. We how to get started, yeah. How to find, buy the game, how to yeah. find a players, um, how to work into it easily. Yes. Now, if you've got starter kits, you're going to use Scenario 1. Right. Because Scenario 1 just has infantry and leaders. So that's all you have to deal with is the terrain and the movement and firing, which we'll talk about some firing stuff later, we hope. Yep. And after you played Scenario 1... You, you could play? go to uh, Scenario 5. Uh, that one is uh, going to add some machine guns. And well, so just machine guns. And that's so, enough to worry about now. Cause nice addition. Rate of fire and all this. Yep. After you played Clearing Colville, Scenario 5, you might want to look at playing... Um, well, either, well, let's not do either. Play six, released from the east, because they're going to add in demolition charges. Yeah. Demolition Very charge rules. And then you, there might be more of these we're missing, but um, I think this is about right. So I don't know why they wouldn't put these in order. Are these in, actually, I should look. They're are not these in, are these in order by date, no. maybe? No. No, never have been in anything. I wonder anything. why they put these in order like this. I, sh I would put them simplest to yeah, more difficult. Yeah, they never really but. have, I don't think. Um, now they like to keep you guessing. You're smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. Then you could play maybe three, yeah. simple equation, which adds in a flamethrower. Right. Flamethrowers are very fun. And then on to, uh, yeah, number two, which is just a combination of all of the above. you got machine guns, flamethrowers, demolition charges, and much fun. I played that one, in fact, with uh, Tim. Okay, War uh, of the Rats. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. You know, this is the was... only one I haven't played yet. Oddly, it was played twice at the gaming group, and I was busy teaching someone yeah. else to play. Um, odd number of people I didn't play. So I want to do it just so I can check it off my yeah. list of playing all squad leader products. Very good one, and, and if you want to, just quick advice, if you're playing the Russians, keep your troops... <clears throat> Uh, don't stack any of your troops. Keep them. Keep all your squads spread out as much as possible. Give the Germans a lot of targets to have to work at, and uh, keep them from getting across the road. Uh, you're doing good. Yeah. Now, if you're going to start off in the advanced squad leader, yes, we recommend playing. Now, if you're starting off with advanced squad leader, if you're making the tradition, the transition from starter kit to the full rules. You need the full rule book, obviously, and then you'll need the module called Beyond Valor, Beyond which gives Valor. you the Germans and the Russians and enough scenarios to really yes. or get your feet wet. Or find an old copy of Paratrooper, oh, yes. which was their introductory. That's right. And they're, they're going to stop making that, but I think it'd be perfect to keep around as yeah. an introductory game to advanced. Right. And I think just for historical purposes, you should always make the game, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah, yeah. But if I were to play Advanced Jeff Beyond Valor, then what should I play well, first? Uh, I would just start with the first scenario in there, Fighting Withdrawal, because it's um, the only thing it's adding there that's different from, well, besides all the rules. But it's, add, <laughs> yeah, it's, adding, about. it's adding concealment, which is uh, just something good to learn. But it's, it's just uh, infantry with machine guns and things like that, adding concealment. Uh, there's a rule for ammunition shortage. And you'll be running into, uh, there's also snipers. You'll have to uh, learn about snipers and hidden initial placement, which is... When you're not on the board at all. Not on That's the board. That's my favorite. I love hidden I initial love placement. Because it, it gives you that real fog of war feel. Yeah. And I don't think you see it You don't know where the enemy is. I agree. There should be more. And I think, more. as I recall, with Fighting Withdrawal, there is flames that are started. Um, yep. Blazes going. So you will have to deal with the spreading fire rules. 
Yes. Which could be kind of intimidating. So another option for you to play first might be scenarios uh, two, Mila, or how do I say that? I think Mila. 18. Mm-hmm. It's about the Warsaw Ghetto, and there's, I guess, Joe said there's whole threads about if this is appropriate to even have as a game because it deals with the ghetto. Um, which we won't get into that today. You mean just because for the politically... Yeah, but what better thing to have them rising up and fighting? But of course, yeah. if they don't win, then I, you know, again, we won't we won't get into that. We won't talk about that. I haven't even read those links yeah. there. Um, but you have just infantry and a lot of hidden and so on, but no spreading fire. From there, what did I play next? Um, Dash for the bridge. Dash for the bridge is a good one. Some tanks and anti tank yeah. guns. Yep. And a roadblock. That's That's a fun one. There's some big ones, too, that have about everything in them, wire and so forth, and pillboxes and guns and tanks and all. But um, Commissar's House was always a great one. Tons of 838s and 628s and flamethrowers and DCs and lots of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of squads. It's two boards, but uh, and there's a lot going on, but it's all handleable. It's all it's manageable. Man- so there's, there's how you would get started. Now... My question for you, Dave. Uh-huh. May I call you Dave? Yes, you may. How do you keep track of all this stuff? You have to store it somewhere. Really? Yes. Like Most, your sock drawer? Like instance? your sock drawer, yes. Although not my sock drawer particularly. Um, we got a lot of questions about that. How do you store all this? I we did about, interested about storing that. counters. Yeah, First, storing I'd counters. like to address, put the rule book binder into those little sheet, plastic sheet protectors. Yeah, good idea. Um, mine were... You know, I used to smoke, and they were just smell like tobacco. It's kind of cool. <laughs> but <laughs> you go back and I look at the edges. They're actually brown from that yellow fingery mm. thing. Yes, kids, you too should start smoking. Yeah. I wish I could afford to smoke. I wouldn't yeah. smoke. I'd just like to be able to afford it. Uh, so I like to get the sheets protected. Uh, over. If you're going to play a lot, uh, it's gonna, they're going to wear out. Yeah. Um, my counters, I actually take them out, and they're due for this. I take them out, and I lay them all out on cardboard, and I seal coat them. No, I didn't know that. Did you know? It's been a while. You seal coat them? And I even wrote down With, like, nail polish? What do you... No, 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 spray. Spray acrylic. uh, You lay them all out, like, on a cookie sheet? How do you do that? Yeah, something... Not a matte fixative. That's not strong enough. You need just, like, a spray varnish or something. Without won't yellow. I just use, like, crystals, clear, something or other. And this is a spray? Spray of the tops... Flip them over, spray the backs. I have some 8081 German leader counters that you would not believe how worn off they are. And I keep them because I think it's kind of cool how worn yeah. off yeah. they are. Ah, if they could talk. <laughs> so I actually spray them all, and then I flip them over, spray the backs, let them dry, put them all back into their little storage trays. I did not know that. I think the last time I did it was 96. It's been over 10 years. And my, now my German counters are starting to peel top and bottom, so if you seal coat it again, it helps it adhere, you know, it helps yeah. seal up the yeah. edges, and I guess that's why people clip counters to not... I mean, that's ridiculous, them. Dave. Just I just think what you're doing is ridiculous. It's I just play with uh, surgical gloves on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that takes care of the nicotine stains, but not not the um, oh, right, all peeling, the environmental, uh, peeling on the edge. You still yeah. got to pick it up. Oh, yeah, that's true. So that... Now, can you, can you, have you done that? Uh, can you do that before you punch them out? Yes, actually I started to, but the problem there is that you don't get the edges between the oh, layers. Right, right, right. But I have. With the later stuff, I just said, the heck with this. I'm just spraying the whole thing front and back. 
and make it a little more durable. Um, some nationalities you don't need to do it with. How often are you going to play um, the French? Well, no offense to our French families. No offense. No. You know, I love they, playing with the French. Yeah. Especially... Not in squad later. Especially Marceau. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but how often are you going to get out those fins? Hakapale. Yeah. Those fins. The fins, right? I don't know. Maybe so, not very often. No. Um, but well, I didn't know that. You I guess spray I your German. Go, I've got to go back and spray yeah. everything. Why not? Well, I've been remiss. And how, how often do you play? If you're playing weekly yeah. like me, give it 10 years, everything's going to be worn up, yeah. wearing down, and the edges are going to be coming off. Now, the, no, with those like counters. Like you said, clipping. So you yeah. and I have been clipping my counters because they get those ragged corners when you punch them out. Is that why people clip them? That's why I clip them. I don't like the look of the ragged counters, and when you have a stack, they kind of, kind of catch on each other if you're trying to manipulate some counters lower down okay. in the stack. So I, I take a pair of fingernail clippers and I clip all four counter corners of each counter. And I know you paid your daughters to do that. I paid my daughters to clip all my Yankees, and uh, they did not do a. Oh, I mean, they did a great job. <laughs> Sometimes okay. they weren't paying oh, attention. They, they're they, not listening. My counters came oh. out round. I mean, they look. I like, was going to say they look like dimes. What if you? <laughs> <laughs> what if you clip them too close? That's yeah. what you get. Yeah, that's what you get. So you clip to prevent them from snagging, snagging and, on each other. And I suppose the corner is a good place for it to peel up, but I don't think mine do that. They peel no. on those flat edges. Yeah. From being picked up because you're not picking them up by the corners usually. Yeah. So I wondered about that. No, and they look—they just look nicer when they're. You know, if you're taking pictures. And God, if you're taking pictures of your advanced squad leader game, there is. <laughs> we love that. There's nothing wrong with that. We love that. But look how nice these look in here, Dave. Oh, listen to those here counters. There they are. Look how nice those look. Okay. Doesn't that make you I jealous? Just, I just don't know if I'm going to go back and do all that. There's so many other games to prepare for. To yeah, well, to get. that's true. I might. Although, do watch it, watching TV, I suppose. Um, you and can get your kids to do Jeff, it. Jeff, you have those in a, in, a, in a storage tray. Yeah, and there's. A, it's astonishing how much talk there is on uh, the forums and things about the different ways to store the, the counters. But uh, one thing you could do is just uh, punch them all out and throw them all back in the box. But. That's not very good. You could put them I all I saw in. that at Oh, did you? Oh, my God. Bob Bendis. Bob, are you out there listening, Bom? I think that's your name. I think it is. I Bob. always want to play him. He seems very fun to play. I swear he had a whole lid with just full of counters. And I think I saw it at wow. a couple of tournaments, so I'm not sure. I mean, I've seen it. I don't know if that was just an accident. He never got cleaned up for a while or whatever. But You could put them in a bucket, in a helmet. That'd be kind of cool if you just stored them in a, yeah, in a helmet. Yeah, an actual helmet. I'm a, I'm a little more anal retentive than that, and I like to put them in a in a box with little separators, so each kind of counter goes in its own little area. And this particular one I like. There's a lot of different kinds out there, but I like the Plano boxes, and you can find these in uh, hardware stores, and you can find them in sporting goods stores. A lot of times they'll use them for storing little screws and nuts and stuff like that, or fishing lures and stuff like that. But I like the the plain Would the nuts taste good after they've been stored with the screws at all? Or they pick up the metallic taste. Uh, they, they stay fresh. Okay. Yeah. Your nuts are always fresh in these boxes. But the Plano, and I, I love this particular one, the Plano Pro Latch, the 4-24. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Seriously? Oh, I'm he... using the 4-24. <laughs> he is serious. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, that's not the number. Yeah, four. It's the 2-3620. I'll, oh. put a li- I'll put a link on the show notes. You can okay. get these on Amazon. How much are these? These are about three and a half bucks. That three and a half bucks? Yeah. Each. each. My wife, <laughs> for my birthday, my she wife got me fan- ten of these. She is fantastic. From Amazon. I wonder what he's going to get tomorrow for Father's Day. I'm wondering, too. Um, but this is, I like these because the, the um, okay. they're adjustable. Let me see this. They're adjustable. This product. You cut out these little uh, dividers. And they're adjustable, but most importantly, is the bottom of each compartment is sloped, yes, not squared off. So, so when you're reaching down there and trying to scoop out a particular counter, uh, they scoop out very nicely. And it's if it's a square bottom, deep. they don't. Not too deep. And mm, um, tastes good. My entire German infantry fits in one box. My entire German um, artillery and uh, AFVs fit in another box. And okay. so you, you can fit an entire nationality in two boxes. They're clear. What I like, about, I like the clear ones. I don't know why. It just looks cleaner. Yeah. They snap closed. They snap closed nicely. Really tight. Like, oh, that was my finger. Oh, sorry. Um, you can turn them upside down. And falls and do they shift around a lot when you? Go ahead and try it. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Should I hold it down tight? Oh, in a the little middle? bit. You don't have to hold it tight. I can't do it. Oh, here. He's going to do it to his own counter. Oh. Well, mostly. Oh, he didn't have the lid closed. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Hand me, Sorry, hand me that bucket. I'm going to do the Bob Bendis in the no, bucket. No, you're not. It's, they're all fine. They're all still in the same place. Only a no, few, we have, we have a only couple a of few escaped. shifted. Only a few. A couple guys escaped. Now, here's the advice for right. when this happens, listeners. <laughs> he took the other one we didn't snap shut. Um... You okay. while you're playing, you just resort these. You resort. Yeah, you don't. You don't have to sit down and do it at no. once. He's got minor shiftage. Minor shiftage. So when you're playing, you just go, "Oh, what's this doing here?" Toss it in the other container. Um, and that's all you need to do, Jeff. So you don't have to worry about that right now. Right. Most of them are in the same places. A few of them have shifted around. All right, I'm going to snap um, this shut now. <laughs> well, he's going to turn it over. That makes a significant difference. Oh yeah. That. I don't think they're moving at all. No. And he's only holding the shut with one thumb, so... Oh, well, yeah, okay. Okay, a few get caught, but that's that's great. Yeah. That's good. It, now, pretty good. He, he also can label these with the numbers. Uh, I use marker on mine, just black marker. It's fast. Some people print out self-sticking adhesive labels yeah. and label each compartment. Yeah. Some label it on the top. Certainly you're going to need an iron cross on this somewhere, Jeff. Yes, I am. So, um, I use the dollar ninety-nine. Plastic containers that are at um, Hobby Lobby. Oh, dollar ninety nine. Dollar ninety nine. Wow. Yes. I started with. Okay, it's the same kind of plastic tray. Jeff's talking about the dollar ninety nine ones. They're not adjustable, so you just have to find a way to um, organize it. You know. And when I started, now get this. I taught photography at the junior high school, and. I had access to a lot of those plastic containers for film. Remember film before digital? Oh, yes, those little, yes. Yeah, snap-on lids. And yeah. I started with black ones with gray lids, certain brand. Yeah. Then I discovered this other film had... Um, oh, the Fuji film came in the clear, clear ones. Clear ones, it was the, clear the Fuji. Ones, yeah. So I would go in and I would say, uh, Hi, you know, I'm Dave, you know, I order a lot of stuff from for the school. Do you... Can you guys sh- save these clear Fujifilm ones for me? And they go, oh, we already have a box here. Just dig through it. 
And I, so I would go in like every three months and dig through the box and pull out all these little clear film containers. Then you have, then you can just pull out the stuff you need. And I kept them all in giant big um, plastic bags. So everything was clear. And I would just go in and, and search through the plastic bag and grab the tanks I needed or grab the um, um, infantry you needed. Well, I need the first lines and seconds. And if someone goes you know, right, right. down, I don't need that yet. I'll get that out later or yeah. slam them out in order. Right. You know, and that's what I did. It seemed to work fine. You can dump them out and then scoop them all back in. Uh, but I guess I'm not going to recommend that in lieu of these plastic trays. Yeah, these the are trays better. Um, in fact, one guy, I couldn't find my SDKF, SDKFZs, the, I don't know what, the half tracks, the German half tracks. Oh, right. I couldn't find them for about three years. Oh, wow. So we would play using different counters. Like, where are my German half tracks? Where did that container go? The little film container. So then I'm moving out of my condo when I got married, and as we picked up the couch to move it out, it was laying in the floor behind the couch. And immediately I remembered, my friend Louis took the whole when he rolled like boxcars, took the container and hurled it across the room, oh. and it hit the wall and fell behind the couch. And oh, I, you know, just laughed at the time. Oh, don't yeah. get too mad. Or I think he threw it at my friend Gary, who was laughing at him when he rolled boxcars. Something like that. Yeah. Um, ah, uh, but they were found. It, yes. Now, I saw another storage method at a tournament where someone had those little envelopes from the dentist or something. Or you, little, the littlest brown paper envelopes you can find. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know where you find them. They're probably no wider than uh, two fingers put together yeah. or so, even less. But he had sorted all these things out in these like little matchbook boxes or wow. something. And but the neat thing was, you know, like with my large plastic ones, you know, all my Panzer ones, twos are all and threes maybe even are all lumped together in a, in a slot. So I didn't have to spend money to buy another plastic tray. Of course, with these little envelopes, you can really just go Panzer one, you know, or Panzer four. A's, Panzer IV, is there a B? I don't know. Panzer IV J, Panzer IV H, and find the actual little container, the ones you want. Yeah. Rather than shifting through a larger container hold. So that seemed to work for him. Uh, have you seen any other methods that you uh, That's a, Well, I remember that uh, I was over at Dave Goldman's house once uh, over in Oak Park, and he had a very nice organization uh, some sort of trays, but I don't know what they were. And I, I, it seems to me that he got them overseas or ordered them from overseas. They were really nice. Okay. Uh, those are the only other ones that I've seen, and I don't have any details on them. Maybe when we have Dave over, we'll ask him about that because I, I just don't remember. But I do know that, um, you know, you'll be spending a lot of time organizing your counters, and I, I recommend you do it in the privacy maybe of uh, your room uh, so that people can't see you because... Uh, it's very 40-year-old virgin-ish. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, go see it. I guess the last thing to say about counters is that um, you, know, you, can, you can mix counters from modules. So the Americans that you get in Yanks, you can mix with the Americans that you get in the starter kits. You don't have to keep those separate. In some games, you have to keep all of the, the counters separate from game to game because they're different. They have different values and things. Yeah, that is correct. Any new game I get, I just... Pile them into the... Pile them all together. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, there are differences with some paratroopers, no, with some British in Pegasus Bridge. They have a different symbol on them, so I kept those separate. Ah. But so just in a separate... Uh, slot. Slot, or, yeah. Right, but in the same tray, yeah. Yeah. You're just pulling out your British anytime you play. Right. I also remembered you had a different sized... 
plastic containers in your early day? Uh, Did you dump? Remember, you had a larger one. Yeah, the bigger dump? ones. Yeah, I had some bigger containers that uh, they were too big. So, so I got, that's why I like these ones that I got from these Plano ones that I got from Amazon. Oh yeah, and I would also say make sure your containers are the same size. You don't want to mix your sizes because some you know, you're probably going to store it on a bookshelf or uh, on a shelving unit. So right. having them the same size would be able to they'd stack better. That's and I had ten of these other ones, and then I found these new ones that I like, so I got rid of all ten of the other ones and spent all that time rearranging everything. And it, it's an enormous waste of time. <laughs> All this time when he could be playing squad leader, we're getting ready to play squad leader. <laughs> that's correct. I guess that's just part of it. Though. Yeah. Well, I think the next item we'll be talking about, because uh, our theme is kind of how to get started in squad leader. Um, yes. When you start in the starter kits, one of the more complicated things is defensive fire. So we thought we'd run through defensive fire and discuss some of the principles that we use, um, hoping to give some newbies some tactical advice, finally, what they've been hoping for from this show. Yes. Um, and Jeff, what is the first... I move my squad at you, what do you do? Well, I can defensive first fire against you, which is a... As it says, it's a defensive fire. That is, when you're moving, I can fire on you. Or, actually, when you expend movement points... I can fire on you. That's correct. So there's a subtle difference there, just the, your expenditure of movement points. So if you are not actually moving, but if you're expending movement points to throw smoke, smoke. grenades, for instance, it gives me an opportunity to do, pick up a weapon. Yes, I can defensive first fire, fire at me. Uh, if I have a squad that's in hex um, A1 and I move a squad another squad into that hex and you defensive fire at the moving squad, do you shoot the squad that's already in the hex that's not no. moving? No, you only affect because, and it kind of makes sense, you're only firing at the unit that is expending the movement points. So right. if there are any units already in the hex that you're moving into or they, where you're expending the movement points, those are not effective. So, And that's kind of something to keep in mind because if you're moving into a hex that has two other squads in it, you can defensive first fire against them. You only affect the squad that moves. But if you wait until final fire, then you can final fire into that hex and, in that case, affect all three squads that are in that. The ones that had moved and the ones yes. that had not moved. Right. So there's a reason to use final fire right. um, versus first fire. And we're going to get into that in some detail. Yeah. Because uh, I'm sure, I'm hoping the r rookies are thinking, well, when do I first fire? Who first fires? Your first step is figure out what are you protecting. Yeah. Right? What are you, What do you have to stop your opponent from doing? Do you have to stop him from gaining that bridge hex? Do you have to stop him from crossing the road? Um, That's a good point to always keep in mind what the victory conditions are of the scenario. Yeah. Because the you may have opportunities to shoot at enemy units, but if it's not going to gain you anything toward your victory points, then you may want to hold off and yeah, then do something different. It's fun to shoot them and break them. Yeah, but, yes, it is. But it won't help you win. That's right. In fact, they might be drawing your fire away from what you need to be shooting no, at. No, that's a good... That, that's okay. sneaky. That's Who would do that? Now. There's Who would do that? that? I like to do that. Um, <laughs> so, when do I first fire? Well, okay, so if he's moving toward the objective you need to protect, you want to first fire. Yes. When do I first fire? Um, typically, I think, what I do, um, at longest range that you can, 
get a full fire effect. So I don't shoot at long range if I know he's going to move within my normal range. So I get a full fire shot, like a four neg two, right, yeah. with a four six seven squad. He fires first. If I have a four four seven and a four six seven, okay. Now we're going to get into subsequent first fire. Okay. Right. So I first fire the four six seven at six hexes away. Yeah, because his range is six. His right. normal range is six. Yeah, I get my four neg two, or maybe I'll actually do it at five hexes away. Because here's my plan. I want to lay down residual fire, which. We, I guess we should explain what is residual fire, Jeff. Well, uh, after you fire into a hex, it leaves half the firepower rounded down if it's a fraction uh, as residual firepower in that hex. So any other units that might move into that hex don't e don't even have to be fired upon by the enemy. They just have to suffer that uh, residual and have to roll. Yeah, as so if you, being you do roll an attack without yeah. declaring an attack yeah. uh, or, or firing a squad. The residual attacks, anyone moving through it. I think it kind of represents, like, as you fired at that hex and the first squad came through, any other squads following are going to also be, like, behind them when you shot or, right. you know, still picking up a couple rifle shots over there. That's right. Drawing some kind of fire. Yeah, because the game, the game turns are only two minutes, so while it might take you a half an hour, actually, to do a turn. <laughs> yeah. The actual and game turn is actually... how long for a campaign game turn? Much longer. <laughs> much, 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 much longer. Um, but so what's happening in that hex may actually happen within a few seconds. Yeah. Uh, 15 seconds or so. So the use of lane residual is very, very critical to your game. Yeah. So what I might do is wait till he's at, at five hexes away. And then oh, let's say there's a two-hex gap between uh, woods, two woods hexes. Maybe we should have grabbed a board. but um, So you have two hexes you have to cover as he comes between these two woods. If he moves through the woods, it's going to go too slow. He won't be able to reach his objective. So I want to hit my first shot at one of those hexes, and then at the adjacent hex, I want to get another shot at it. Yeah. So if I have another four, six, seven, he's the one that's going to lay down first fire when my opponent moves around that residual fire and hits that other hex. So I lay down my, I first fire another squad, a different squad, into that hex. So now I've got two residuals of two firepower blocking the two open ground hexes he must come through. Or he's forced into the woods. Then I'm slowing him down. He's got to go through the woods. Great. You know, he'll get the cover, but, I, but he may not reach the objective. So now, I have a question yeah. for you about that residual. You said because he's going to be moving around that re the hex where the residual fire is. Yeah. Some people would be tempted to think, oh, well, that's only a two. You know, I'll run through Open the residual. Open ground, you know, do minus you, two. Yeah, so do you have any basic advice for whether or not you want to enter a hex with residual? I've heard one piece of advice, which I, is never, okay, ever, okay. ever, 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 should I continue? No, I okay. say only when, <laughs> never. I say only when you have to, Yeah. and I, it's funny, the game I just lost last Thursday to a rookie, um, he ran a 9-neg-2 leader, a squad, another squad, all through a 4-neg-2 shot, 2-neg-2 shot, residual 2-down-2, two another 4-neg-2 shot, and they all made it. Wow. And I rolled a 9, yeah. 10, 11, um, Winning morale check I had, he made, and I lost the game. I was rather frustrated because typically, of course, you never rely on getting through that. Yeah. But you could. So only run through residual if you know you're going to roll low. <laughs> you have your you know cheating advance. dice with you. Yeah. 
well, so that's so okay. that's first fire. Two yeah. squads of first fire. I still have let's say a four four seven somewhere around there. So the squad survived my four neg two shot. He moves to the fourth hex. Now I open up with my four four seven because he's now in range to get a first fire. Um, full effect shot at this guy. Right. So I lay that residual in it too. Now I've got three hexes blocked out with two res at each. Then he moves, he lives, survives that. Kind of like the game I just lost. Um, then I open up with a subsequent first fire. Now, subsequent first fire, what is that, Jeff? You want to describe that for our. Uh, well, subsequent first fire is uh, available to units that have, have already fired once, they have a first fire marker on them. They can only fire at units that are uh, within range. They can't fire at any units that are farther away than the closest unit. Does it have to be the closest unit that they shot at? No, just the closest unit. So they can't fire at anything farther away. And it is, they do take a penalty if they get half firepower, half their firepower. But So it does enable you to get one more shot in. And once you make that shot, you flip the count over to final fire. And he's then marked with a final fire counter. Yeah. So I would lay in, so let's say this back to the squad has now moved through my two hexes, yeah. a, a one, and then another squad went through B1. I laid down those resids. He comes to A2. I laid down a first fire with a 447. He came to A3. Um, I lay down a subsequent shot now with my 467. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's in normal range, and I lay in the resid, he lives through that. Then I use that subsequent shot on my 447 or my other 467. So I'm trying to lay down a whole range of, of um, resid right. in connecting with no hexes in between. And I've seen players lay down resid here and then there and then there in the middle, and there's an opening somewhere in there. And the guy just runs through that. Yeah. yeah. So you try and get it planned, be thinking ahead how you're going to lay it. Lay down your resids connected to each other, like I just described. Yeah. So, so now all my squads, let's say, have subsequent first fired, and his unit survives again. His miraculous ten neg two leader comes charging down and makes all his morale checks and moves adjacent to me. What is my option now? Well, uh, if I've marked with final fire. Yeah. Right? Even if he's, even if you've marked with final fire, if a unit moves adjacent to you, you can fire on him again. So I get three shots with my squad. You really do. Yippee! Why would I? Why well, just do it all the time? Why don't I just final protective fire all the time? Uh, well, there's some risk uh, with that. With Might that break my rifles. <laughs> yes. The uh, and what does it say there? Because I'm reading that upside down. Well, this is a quiz. What happens? Oh. A high number on my shot. Um, final protective fire. Let's see. Final protective fire. There's not a break. I mean it. Doesn't break your squads. Obviously. Yes, it breaks my squads. If I oh. roll over my morale, oh, that's right. On final protective fire. That's right. If you roll over your morale, right. So it's a high. You got to think of your units as panicking. Yeah. Oh, I fired yes. my normal capacity, and now they're coming next to me. I'll oh, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting, and you know, some guys might just break and start running. Yeah, that's how I try to think about it. So you can lay in a final protective shot in your opponent's movement phase. Affects only adjacent moving units. It can leave resid also, so you have a third opportunity to lay down a resid. And um, it acts as a normal morale check, yeah. like we just described. Yeah. And how many times can I lay down a final protective fire shot? 
as as often as some other enemy unit comes adjacent right. to you. Yeah. So you can keep doing it again and again if you're as long as you know you're going to roll low. <laughs> <laughs> right. So <laughs> you do it all day long. And there's some instances I think when you want to break to get out of a situation, you might. Well, be... yes, there are. Is there? If you're broken, they shoot you in advancing fire. You get half squatted. Well, there's certainly times it's worth it just to get the neg two shots on your opponents. Yeah. You know, um, there might be a case. We'll have to think about it. Um, but on those final protective fires, so he's he comes up, he moves adjacent. If it's an open ground, then it's non-assault movement. Can you take those modifiers? This is a quiz for you. Oh, I'm sorry. Say it again. Uh, in final protective fire, mm-hmm. enemy unit moves adjacent to you, so you can take final protective fire against him. Mm-hmm. He's in open ground. Mm-hmm. It's non-assault. Neg two. Can you take those modifiers? Yes. Okay. Absolutely neg two. Good. Uh, one thing I had found out, too, uh, quiz for you. So... The squad coming in um, move, expends two movement points to move into the woods, mm-hmm. mm, not adjacent to you. Okay. And so you first fire, and can you subsequent first fire while he's in those woods? Yes, you can. Because he... Because you can, you can fire the first time, defensive first fire when he expends the first movement point, and when he expends the second movement point, you can subsequent fire. Okay. And then if you break me with the first shot on my first movement point, yeah. Do can you fire at me on the second one? Ah, well, I think so, because it took you two movement points to move into that woods. That's correct. So, and yes. if I was using non-assault movement, Neg one plus one woods. Neg one and non assault movement. Yeah. Do you still get the non assault movement on my broken unit? No. Eh. Oh, you do. But if you pin me, because he's running. Think of him as he's still oh, running yeah. around okay. frantically broken. Yeah. Okay. okay. So think of it that way, right. listeners. And then if I step in on my first movement point and you pin me, can you fire at me again? Yes. I think so. I would think so, because you expended two movement points to get into that hex. You know what? Now I'm starting to doubt. The first one you get pinned. I think we're right. If we're wrong, someone notify us. But um, do you get the neg one for non-assault if I'm pinned on the second shot? Oh, no. No, because now I'm pinned. Right. They've kind of gone to ground. Yeah. Think of it that way. They've gone to ground, so you don't get that neg one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm just a little confused if you use... Yeah, I think you still get the subsequent shot. Yeah. And another, even another squad may shoot two first fire at the same unit at the same time. Yes. So, okay. Um, so that's covered final protective fire. So let's say, well, what is final fire then? So now I've gone through the movement phase, and we're at this thing called the final fire phase. Well, once you're done with all of your movement, if I have any units left that have not fired and have targets... I can now fire them in the final fire phase. Only at adjacent? Uh, no, they can fire at anybody. They can fire anywhere. They can they fire at anywhere. They on the movement. They've and waited to see what happened. They can fire anywhere. And it affects all units in that location. And it's at full firepower? Yes. In normal range, yeah. That's right. And then if I only first fired and someone's next to me in the final fire phase? Then you can final fire. You can, yes. Okay, so that's where sometimes tactically... It might be smart to lay down your first fire. Let's say you, you lay it adjacent to you, 
and you didn't break that first squad in adjacent to you, then the next squad comes in and he lives through the residual. It may not be smart to take your subsequent yet because he's the moving unit. That first guy had stopped already. Right. You may want to hold that to take a final, a, 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 well, a subsequent shot, which it wouldn't be called that, I guess, in final fire. So you first fired, the guy moved next to you, he survived, then the next squad comes in, hold, some people hold their fire. The third squad comes adjacent, they hold their fire. They don't subsequent fire at right. all. They just hope Brazil breaks them. And then it's okay, movement's over, final fire phase, okay. Now, I've, I'm only marked with the first fire. I may flip it over to a final fire counter now and fire at the whole hex. And at get the everybody. whole hex, that's right. That's one reason you may want to hold your fire. Yeah. yeah. Lots so, to think of. It actually is a lot to yeah, think there's of. A, there's a lot going on. And I think that's why I felt we needed to kind of jump into that yeah. tonight because... Yeah, I think that's a good one to cover. Uh, when you're a rookie, that's tricky. Yeah. First, subsequent... Oh, then final, wait a minute, final protective, well, wait a minute. Right. You know, a simpler game would be you get one shot as they move, and that's it, you mark yeah. final, and you never shoot again. I think it would not, it would be less realistic, I would think. Yeah, I think right? that's right. You see too many people running through too many open ground hexes at people. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this show, Dave. We can't do, you know. Can't do anything uh, we, else. We can't do anymore. <laughs> I can't talk anymore. No. So, bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Remember to roll low. And may the dice, dice be, be with, with you, you, but not when you're playing, playing us. us. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of the Two Half Squads and is copyrighted 2008 and fully owned by its hosts. Listeners are free to use the show in a non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is given to the Two